for this Sunday's gospel reading, there's a background, kind of a framework to me from the first reading, which is from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is set in the 13th century before Christ. This particular passage is set 40 years into our ancestors' exodus from slavery in Egypt. Moses is reviewing God's commandments and statutes with the people of Israel in this passage. This includes a whole new generation that's receiving God's law. Moses explains the law to them, and the people basically understand and believe that God has revealed this law to them as a gift. In a chaotic world, God has revealed this law to teach them how to live the truth in relation to God and in relation to other people. Moses reminds them that this law is not too mysterious. It's not too remote for them. It's not up in the sky or across the sea that they need someone to go up in the sky or across the sea to get it for them and tell them about it. God's law is already in their mouths and in their hearts at the core of their beings. The issue is they have to choose whether to carry it out. They have to choose to carry it out if it's going to become real in this world. God's truth has been revealed and received by them. They have to choose to carry it out in order to experience the truth, in order for the world to realize God's truth. This Sunday's gospel passage comes from Luke 10. In it, there is a scholar of the Jewish law who tests Jesus by asking what he must do to inherit eternal life, to go to heaven. Testing implies hostility. So just a note, the man's hostility does not in any way shake Jesus. Jesus loves this hostile man. Jesus has come to a world that's hostile to God. He wants this hostile man to know the truth of how to inherit eternal life. Jesus replies to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? The scholar replies with Old Testament quotes that I hope are familiar to you from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. You shall love the Lord your God with all your being and your neighbor as yourself. I think that should sound familiar to you because it's called the great commandment. In Mark and Matthew, it is spoken from Jesus' mouth as the twofold commandment on which all the law and the prophets hinge. In Luke's version, the scholar says it. You shall love God with all your being and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus, the Son of God, declares that he's answered correctly. The truth of what this man needs to do to go to heaven is in his heart. It is in his mouth. The question is, will he carry it out? The passage reveals that the scholar needs more revelation from Jesus in order to carry this out. Jesus wants to reveal much more about those words mean. This is dicey for the scholar because the scholar the scripture writer says, wishes to justify himself. To be justified means to be in a right relationship with God. The scholar can't justify himself with God 
especially on his own terms. He needs Jesus. So the dicey part is, is he going to listen to what Jesus reveals to him? In this attempt to justify himself, the scholar asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? Again, this is presumably a hostile question, but it's a great question that Jesus grabs to open him to the truth he wants to reveal. So recall, at the time of Jesus, the Jewish understanding is that neighbor means other Jewish people and sojourners in their land. The scholar has been raised to understand that neighbor does not include Gentile people like pagans or Samaritans, whom Jewish people at the time would consider almost pagan. He wants to hear what are the clear parameters, what are the clear limitations of the kinds of people he should love as neighbor. I hope you can relate to this. Most non-Christian people in most times and places naturally put restrictions on the kinds of people they're willing to love. That is absolutely the case for far too many baptized Christians who do not yet understand or accept the teaching of Christ. They do the very same thing. They look for limitations and restrictions on the kinds of people they're willing to love. So whether it's the scholar, or whether it's non-Christian people of any time and place, or whether it's baptized Christians who just have not gotten this yet, Jesus accepts all of our limitations, and he responds here with a clear revelation that must be accepted by anyone who chooses to live as an authentic disciple of Jesus. The answer to the scholar's question is, Jesus rejects the question. Because that question, in those terms, has absolutely no place in God's truth. If you say to Jesus, as the scholar does, in the eyes of God, what's the list of the kinds of people I must love, distinguished from the people I don't need to love, there is no such list. A note uh, uh, from my exalted point of view. I find it really interesting. Jesus could answer with the words, that question is not valid, but to me it's much more penetrating that he responds with silence. It means you have to think about Jesus's silence. The answer to the scholar's question is that question has no validity in Jesus Christ. Jesus reveals more to repeat, because he wants the scholar and us to receive much more of the truth. The question we should ask is who lives as neighbor to others? Jesus offers a critically important parable that, again, I think is familiar to most of you, but that we all benefit from considering and reconsidering and reconsidering. In the parable, there are three religious people two Jewish leaders, and a Samaritan. To repeat, a Samaritan is a member of a people who are considered almost pagan at Jesus' time by Jewish leaders. These three people, the two Jewish leaders and the Samaritan, travel along a road, and they encounter a man who has been viciously assaulted and left half dead. In the parable, Jesus says the priest sees the man 
and passes by on the opposite side. The Levite, the second Jewish leader, sees the man and passes by on the opposite side. Why do they do that? Perhaps they're scared. It's a violent situation. Perhaps, and I would say this is really a stretch, perhaps they think he's dead and they don't want to violate Old Testament law regarding Jewish priests' contact with dead bodies beyond their immediate families. Perhaps. Perhaps. What we know from Jesus in the parable is the Samaritan is different from those two Jewish leaders in the story. The Samaritan's religious law actually tells him he shouldn't have any contact with the dead body of a stranger. But what does he do? He's moved with compassion to approach the victim. He treats and bandages the victim's wounds. He puts him on his animal and takes him to an inn. He cares for him at the inn. And he provides money to the innkeeper to take care of him until he returns to the inn. Look at those details this week. The Samaritan is moved with compassion. That is quite like references to Jesus in the New Testament. The Spirit of God is moving within the Samaritan. The Samaritan is open to that Spirit of God, and he allows that Spirit to flow through him. He's having a new experience of love. He loves as God loves. He concretely gives. He gives generously. He gives sacrificially. He gives with his entire being. This is our stewardship framework. He gives his time. He gives his treasure. He gives his talent. He wants to continue giving. He's alive with true love, which has no limitations or conclusions. You know you're alive with true love when you don't want to stop giving. The Samaritan is very, very much alive in God, and he's very different from other people, including people who describe themselves as religious. Jesus then asks the scholar which one of those three people was neighbor to the robber's victim. The scholar replies, the one who treated him with mercy. Do you note he can't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. He just says the one. Jesus still loves this scholar, and he says, go and do likewise. Whatever the scholar's limitations, whatever he feels, the scholar has said aloud to the Son of God the truth. The person who is neighbor to the robber's victim is the one who treats him with mercy. Jesus has revealed to his heart that true love is recognizing the concrete needs of another person, entering into that person's life situation, no matter how one feels, taking concrete action to address that person's need, and sacrificing one's time, talent, and treasure to address that person's need. A true neighbor is a person who lives that love. Go and do this, and you will inherit eternal life. The truth of how to get to heaven, how to live love of God and neighbor, 
is not so remote or so mysterious that we have to send someone up into the sky or across the sea to get it and tell us about it. It is very near in our hearts and in our mouths. We must choose whether to carry it out. How will you live? How will you grow this week? Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.